Help me welcome our internet audience, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you are with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. How's everybody? Good, good, good. A um, couple things real quick, and then we're going to dive into the Word. I've had people ask me, how's your son Joshua? And I had you pray for him because he was in Africa, and I guess I've never told you he made it back. <laughs> so uh, he's back, and he's, and he's well. And an uh, incredible trip is a part of uh, a ministry, an organization called Blood Water, and they drill water wells, and they set up HIV clinics in some uh, very, very destitute places in in uh, some of the nations of Africa, Ethiopia, Rwanda, Uganda, and, uh, huh? and Kenya. And um, just some powerful things coming out of that and what they're able to do. So uh, that is awesome. So thank you for your prayers for Josh and uh, still pray for him, but he is stateside. Okay, so he's, he's back in Nashville. Uh, one other thing, if you were here on Sunday, I mentioned to you that uh, one of my mentors and uh, certainly a, a, a friend and... Um, uh, leader that w- we refer to in this church, Pastor A.R. Bernard in Brooklyn, New York. His uh, oldest son passed away uh, last week. And I'm, I'm actually, I just had in my heart, the funeral is tomorrow, uh, late afternoon, evening, and I just had in my heart to go. I know that if that were to happen uh, in my stead, he'd be here. And, uh, and I just, Alicia and I talked about it. So I'll be going up tomorrow uh, for that so you can pray. Um, and and I, I go representing you and sharing your heart as well. And pray for me because it's cold up there. <laughs> up there. But um, Pastor Bernard and the family, this is the thing. They're, they're strong, you know. Um, they're strong. They know God. They trust God. But they also, they hurt. And the Bible talks about, you know, the believers, we sorrow, but we don't sorrow like those with, with no hope. So, um, and there has to be place in our theology uh, that sometimes things happen that we don't understand. And the position you have to take is, I trust God. I trust God. I can't see it all. My vantage point is not his vantage point. And uh, we don't you know, every, know everything behind that. But um, we trust God. Amen. Never accuse God of failure. Just because we don't understand something. Never accuse God of failure. Amen. Or, or being... Or being unfaithful to his word and, and who he is. Amen. All right. Well, I thank you for your prayers for uh, the Bernards and for Christian Cultural Center and uh, myself as a travel. So, well, let's uh, dive in. We had a good week uh, last week, habitation service. Do you enjoy habitation service? Beautiful time. And then Sunday, we just had just a fabulous Sunday. Then Heart of a Woman, they had like three million ladies show up and, and something like that. And uh, we're going to start a new series this Sunday. Anybody know what that one's called? Belong, Belong and uh, get here. I mean it. Just get here. And it'd be a, an incredible series to bring people to uh, as well as we talk about belonging, the family of God and the body of Christ. Some awesome stuff there. Well, we're in our, uh, in our second year in a series called Belief. And uh, it's, it's not as... Uh, Crazy as it sounds to be in our second year of that. We're going through systematic theology. What is it that we believe? Why do we believe it? Can we articulate what we believe? Can we, can we share what we believe? And it's just important that we as um, believers actually know what we believe. And uh, so that's what we're doing. We're taking our time in doing all of that. Uh, no way to go back and review. Just read the whole Bible. That'll help you. And, um, 
All of it is archived, though, video and audio and, and notes, so you can go back and, and get those. But we're going to continue on tonight. This actually be the third part of um, talking about the gospel. Um, so we broke that up a little bit with uh, baptism and then with habitation service. And don't forget, habitation service is the first Wednesday of every month. So we got one coming up here in, in just a couple of weeks here. So um, the gospel, let me just say this about the gospel. And this is the way Spurgeon kind of simplified it this way. The gospel is, is simply this. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. Go ahead and say it. Jesus died for me. And it was very powerful what Sherry shared during, during worship there. You know, just, just let the, the scripture speak for itself concerning that. Um, this is, in fact, the centerpiece of the gospel. This has to have some context. This has to be, okay, Jesus died for me. Well, we've got an, who was who this Jesus? What did that death mean? And why did he have to do it for me uh, for this truly to be, you know, gospel and meaningful for us? So that's the centerpiece of it all. And certainly the gospel includes these things. Incarnation, everybody say incarnation. And that is God putting on flesh, okay? Uh, sinless life, everybody say sinless life. That's very, very important because, again, um, Sherry was messing with my sermon there just a little bit. Uh, you know, that the sacrifice had to be as pure as they could make it, you know, as, as whole and perfect as it could be. And so Jesus, ultimately, to be our sacrifice, he was, he was sinless uh, regarding what maybe some uh, books over the last 20 years or so have tried to imply uh, please know that he was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So, sinless life, and then substitutionary death, and that's where this comes into play. Substitutionary death, say that. Substitutionary death. And so, root word there is substitute. You know, he took our place. He died for us. It should have been us, but even if we died for our sake, we could not have paid the penalty. So, it just would, would have been a slaughter, you know. And uh, this instead is substitutionary death and atonement. And then bodily burial, or basically bodily burial. And uh, you just hold your horses and round them up, okay? Because Easter is coming and we've got some incredible things planned around Easter. So I'm super excited about that. But um, bodily burial is, is very important. This is literal, actual body, bodily burial. And then literal resurrection. Say that, literal resurrection. And that's huge, and we're going to get into that. And then uh, ascension into heaven, ascension into heaven, say that. And then imminent return. And all of that really are these, these parts, these elements of the gospel. And the centerpiece of it all is that Jesus died for me. Now, I know I just had you go through all that, but think about this. Incarnation, sinless life, substitutionary death, bodily burial, literal resurrection, Ascension into heaven, imminent return, that Jesus. It's that Jesus that died for me. It's that Jesus. So you put all that together, there's just, there's just power in that. And by believing in him, that's what turns on the gospel as far as you know, it, it mattering in our lives, not just our lives, but our eternity. And that brings to us something called justification by faith. I'll just touch on this real quick. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 23, and we're going to go through 5-2. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe. Everybody say believe. Who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. 
who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by what? By faith, we have, this is awesome, this is the best news you have all day. We have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So just a little bit out of that, that believing in what he has done for us gives us that access, gives us peace with God, gives us justification with God, where we're at peace with God. And there's some hope and there's some rejoicing that goes with that. So I think a sad Christian is a, is, is, that's a contradiction of terms. Well, I got the right crew tonight then, all right? A sad Christian. Well, pastor, sometimes we get down. Well, true, but what is it that we say around here? I'm either up or I'm... Or I'm getting up, okay? And it's very, very directional and, in, and intentional there. All right, let's look at some things about the gospel. The gospel is more than just the... And gospel means what? Good news. Good news. Gospel is more than just the opposite of bad news. You know, it's just good news. The gospel is also more than just a report about some past events. Okay? It's more than that. It is an expression of God's love. It is an expression of God's power. And the result of it is salvation. And the result of salvation, please get this tonight. The result of the gospel is, is salvation. And the result of salvation is a changed life. Yes. You know, we don't want a powerless religion that we just something else we subscribe to. But it has no impact on us. And so... It, it, and it is not just this, we'll hold a marker for you and there's a seat on some bus that goes to heaven one day. But in the meantime, life is just what it's always been for you. You need to know that the kingdom of God is, is, is invading. It is breaking in to our lives. It continues to break in. Do you understand? The place of God's rule in our life and what that, and what that brings uh, to us. But salvation, again, not just the opposite of bad news, not just some recounting of some past events. This is the power of God, an expression of the power of God that brings to us salvation and it brings to us life change. Amen. Very important. Now, uh, in, in Romans 1 says, Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who, who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And so our believing in it is what makes it a reality and, and actually it gets accredited to us. It gets put into our account as if we earned it, although we could never earn it. But by believing, then what Jesus has done for us comes into our account. That's good news. That's gospel. Amen. Um, realize also, and I don't have a lot of time to go into this because of where I'm going tonight, but receiving the gospel is transactional. It's a, it's a transaction. Okay. Receiving the gospel, believing it and having it impact our lives is more than just saying a prayer. Now we should say a prayer that's talking to God, but the result of that is something is transactional. We're told in scripture to believe, y'all aren't going to like this, I just know, but I'll go ahead here, okay? To believe and repent. Yes. To believe and repent. And that means to change your ways. 
ultimately means this. Stop going the way you're going and go God's way. Is turn around and whichever way you're going is squirrely. Trust me. If we're going our own way, it's messed up. And we've got to turn and go God's way. And so we believe, and if we believe he's the way to heaven, eternal life, we believe he's also the way to life. Did you know early believers were called the way? The way, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's the way to live, and that's the way not just to heaven, but that's the way to live. So this is transactional. He becomes not just Savior, he also must become Lord. And what is Lord? He's an owner, ruler, master, boss. He's our boss. I like him being boss. I don't like being in charge of me. When I'm in charge of me, something goes wrong. And then I can't do anything about it. You too. Y'all are looking at me like, what's wrong with pastor? Just I'm nothing without Jesus, just like you. Amen. Um, here's, here's what happened. Here, here's a good way to put it. He died for you. You live for him. He died for you. And then you live for him. Now, because he lives, you too can live and he changes your life. And, and please know that life change is to happen. Again, I'll say it again. This is not just some religious creed that we subscribe to. And try to be pious. There is the power of God, the power and the help from on high to help us in this life. Are are y'all here? And so uh, he changes us. He changes our life. And then we change our life. And now the, the difference is we have help. We have help because we're connected with him. Well, it's important as we look at the gospel that, as we've shared in previous weeks on this, that we get clarity about it, what it is and that we also emphasize it. Because as I've shared with you, and I don't want to lose a lot of time on this, one generation believes and lives something. And if they don't pass that on right, the next generation just kind of remembers it and assumes it. And then if something doesn't happen, the next generation forgets it and even rejects it. And we have a lot of that going on in our world. That's why it has to be uh, revived in us. It's got to be clear in us. It's got to be emphasized to us so it's real in our life and also so we can can pass that on. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, verse 9, Paul writes, but even if we or an angel from heaven preached any other gospel, notice that phrase, any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, let me just tell you that in the Greek, it cannot get any stronger. It just cannot get any stronger right here. Let him be condemned. Let me say it, and I'm not cussing here. Let him be damned, okay, in the, in the true sense of the word. So it doesn't get any stronger than this. So preaching the gospel, look at me. You better be careful. You better be careful. And we're going to look at how and why tonight a little bit here. Let's, let's go ahead verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again. So he's emphasizing this. Anything you, anytime you see anything repeated in Scripture, it's extra important. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So this is like double whammy. This, this is like your mom telling you something. And then she goes, look at me. You know? And I probably needed medicine as a kid. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But my mom would look at me and I'm like still, you know, 
And she grabbed my little chin, my face, and just hold it, make me look at her. And I was still, <laughs> still looking around at her. <laughs> um, but it's like, you've got to hear this. You, you, you must know this. So I want us to look at some variations of gospel tonight. Because sometimes in order to um, get clarity and, and clarify what something is, it helps to clarify what something is not. Okay? So I'm going to show you a couple of knots uh, as we clarify what the, what the gospel actually is. Um, when Paul was writing this, part of the concern was what were called Judaizers. And they, they were wanting to question the, the, the weight and need and power of the cross. And, and if you take that out, you kind of negate the gospel. Okay? Imagine if we take out the substitutionary death, you take that out of, take the centerpiece out of the gospel, you have a powerless gospel. Okay? So that's, that's the context that Paul was, was addressing right there. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ is not risen, okay, so if you take out bodily resurrection, literal resurrection, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So you cannot alter uh, the gospel. We cannot be removing or, or adding things to it. Um, distortions happen. And in our day, I'm telling you, in our day with so much media, social media, all kinds of forms of you know, electric, uh, electronic communication and just everything else. Um, things. Do you remember the old game, telephone game? You know, and, and you say one thing to one person that gets passed down. And by the time, it is so distorted. And so it gets changed and it gets twisted. And that's why we bear responsibility as a church to, to drag ourselves in here on a Wednesday night. And I want to know clearly what the Bible teaches. So that we're not in danger of just hearsay. You know, or um, we've got to be students. We've got to be diligent so that we know what the Bible says for ourselves and, and for the sake of others as well. Amen. So there are distortions that happen and there are also what are called reductions. And reductions of the gospel would be that, that you um, oversimplify something or you minimize something in the gospel. And again, think about, and these are just headlines of the gospel, incarnation, sinless life, substitutionary death, uh, bodily burial, literal resurrection, ascension to heaven, imminent return. If you minimize any of that, if you oversimplify something, if you twist that, if you change that, if you take that out of there, that's what Paul's saying. Do not mess with the gospel because if you do, if you take that out, then you don't have anything to believe in that's going to help you. Y'all with me so far? All right, and it's extremely dangerous. The gospel is made up of irreducible, um, unalterable truths and elements. And so we've described those. You should kind of know them. I've already said them like four times tonight because I want you to know them. You need to know them. But I want to look at some variations, some reductions, and um, some distortions. Because if we change the gospel, it can't change us. You might want to write that down. If, if, if we change the gospel, it can't change us because we, we take the power out of it. So I want to give you, let's see, let me give you five variations on the gospel that uh, would be wrong, okay? Because we don't, we don't want to vary the gospel. You don't need to vary the gospel. 
Aren't you glad that the Bible, you know, that every like January you get a notice, you know, of the new Bible? Because there's been some changes. God's decided not to do that anymore. And he's got some new programs. And, you know, in the back they advertise some things they're thinking about, you know, for next year. Aren't you glad this God's word is forever settled in heaven? It's forever settled in heaven. Amen. All right. Um, I've got some labels for these. These are not official labels. This is not, you probably won't find these in a book anywhere, but I think they're just descriptive labels. So first of all, let's look at one variation. It would be the incomplete gospel, the incomplete gospel. And that means something's missing. Something's missing. So think, think if you're making a cake and, and you're missing, ah, oh, we are out of eggs or vanilla extract, or I, I don't know. I don't know how to make a cake. Um, or you're assembling something. Have you ever done that? Did you know that the word Ikea is actually a, a curse word? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. I, I, I made that up. I made that up. Okay. But have you ever, you know, got something, got home? And, and if, you, if you're the parent of young children, please learn from Alicia and I. If you have to assemble something for your children for Christmas, don't do it late Christmas Eve. Okay, just no need for questions. Just, just don't do that. But um, something's missing. And so again, if we, if we reduce this, if we distort this and take something out, for, for example, the gospel without repentance is, is not the gospel. The gospel without the cross, you know, it, it would be incomplete. Something is missing. And so go back to the cake or whatever it is that you're trying to assemble. If something is missing, it's not going to turn out right. And it probably won't work. And in the case of the gospel, it won't work. It won't work if, if it's incomplete. In Acts chapter 18, here's the wonderful thing about it. So he began to speak boldly. This is Apollos. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla, this is Mr. and Mrs., Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And so that's why we've got to keep being students. So what he was doing, he, he only knew of John's baptism. He didn't, he didn't know um, as much as they knew. And they, in a very godly way, pulled him aside and helped to fill this out so that he could understand the ways of God more accurately. Amen. Now, let's uh, go to the second one. Cultural gospel. Cultural gospel. Um, our culture keeps changing. Our culture is, 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 is so, uh, before service, Pastor Tom was showing me a, a graphic of some things that we're going to be doing at Easter. And it is so throwback classic, like the graphics. I said, it's so that, that it's also hipster, <laughs> you know, and people go to antique stores to buy things to put in their home that somebody was glad to get rid of because it was old, you know? And so we've got all this, you know, churning of changes in our, in our culture. But then when it comes to ideas, you know, we've got in, in our day, postmodernism, relativism, existentialism, you know, no absolute truths, no, uh, you know, all of these things. Reality is, you know, skewed. And so it's kind of hard then 
to, well, you can't say, the cultural gospel would say, well, you, you can't say that absolutely because there really are no absolutes. Well, let me just tell you, you're absolutely wrong. You know, there is a cultural gospel is, is dangerous here because here's, here's the thing. I don't care how culture changes. The, human, the condition of the human heart separated from God is always the same. So no matter what would be going on in our culture, and we have to pay attention to culture because we have to reach people in our culture. Um, it's very important that we do that. But at the same time, no matter what's going on in culture, the condition of the human heart, you address it still in the same ways. Uh, I wrote it this way. Understanding the culture is much less important than knowing what the Bible says about every human heart separated from God. There, there are three universal needs in every person, you and everybody you know and everybody you don't know. Everybody needs intimacy with God. Everybody needs intimacy with others. And by intimacy, I mean closeness and safety. Intimacy with God, in, intimacy with others, and self-worth. All of us need those. And guess what? The gospel addresses all of those. And only the gospel addresses all of us. See, our culture would try to address self-worth or intimacy with others. And yet they don't define intimacy right. And then they would perhaps leave out and also be incomplete to leave out intimacy with God. So another wrong gospel would be a cultural gospel. Thirdly, would be a cool gospel. A cool gospel. Uh, Trying to make Jesus hip. Trying to make Jesus relevant. Uh, appealing. Uh, can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't need that kind of help. You know, I, I joke sometimes. I, I come out before every service and wander around for about 15, 20 minutes and just talk to people and stuff. And there'll be, you know, three, four people hanging out. And I do this a lot. It's one of my favorite jokes. My wife says I need new jokes. I like my jokes. Okay. But uh, there'll be a group hanging around. I'll go up and I'll go, is this where the cool people hang out? And they go, well, it was till now. No, 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 they didn't say that. They just thought it. Um, But for us to feel that we have to market or package the gospel is is really pretty misguided. Now, going back to the idea of culture, we have to, you know, we have to use technology, use things that people in our day are, are comfortable with and are appealing, but you, you don't repackage and remarket the gospel, okay? Um, it's been said this way. There's no need to spin the gospel. You just need to speak the gospel. And remember what, what Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power. It has power in it. Uh, Jesus doesn't need to be like us. We, we need to be like him, okay? And what people need, and don't miss this, What people really need is an encounter with his truth and with his presence. And can I tell you that is the heart cry, that is the bottom line of every service for us is that people would be, have an encounter with his truth and have an an encounter with his presence. And, And we've got to make that our business, you know, because that's what people need. They don't need just cool. They don't just need cultural. They don't, they don't need some uh, reformulated gospel here. Um, next one would be this, and this one's widespread, selfish gospel, selfish gospel. And it's pretty much this. 
This is about what Jesus can do for me. I made a little list. Health, wealth, always happy, never hurting, everybody always likes me, and I win the lottery. You know, and, and selfish, selfish gospel, typically when we're selfish, listen, it's because we put self in the wrong place. And when we put self in the wrong place, we get selfish. And when you put self in the wrong place, you can follow this around this some other teaching, you will lose self-control. And when you lose self-control, Proverbs tells us, that's like a building with the windows and doors knocked out. And, and what's going to happen? Thieves are going to come. Critters are going to come. Bugs going to come. Moth and rust are going to come. Mold, everything. Y'all, y'all hear me? And that's not what God has planned for your life. I mean, you get self in the wrong place, you will lose self. You will lose control of self. And the other time we get selfish is when we're hurt. You know, you're a team player playing basketball till you roll your ankle. And then you're walling on the ground. You don't care about the play, the score, or anything else. It's just, it's just me right now because I'm hurt. And what we've got to realize is our healing is only going to come for all of our pains. are going to come through what Jesus has done for us. And so a selfish gospel is a misguided gospel as well. Um, here's one thing that we need to be careful of. Never promise to people what Jesus did not promise. You, if you try to promise to people... And I've heard these things. I've had people tell me these things before. You know, that if you come to Jesus, years ago, I had somebody tell me, you will never die. And I said, well, that's awesome. Um, but I thought it was, you know, the way I do understand it from scripture is I get eternal life. And they were talking about that physically we would never, I, I actually had some people tell me this was like in the 1970s. Anybody alive during the 70s here? No, that you will never die. You'll never get sick and you will never, you will never die. And, and here's the thing. They're in trouble and anybody who follows that is going to be shocked. And they're going to be disappointed. You know, actually what we do when we do, quote, die, uh, to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. You know, and so absent is present. Absent, present. And we go from life to more life. And so we've got to be careful that we don't promise things. You know, I've heard people, you come to Jesus and you do this and then tithe every week and do this and that, and you will be a millionaire by the end of the year. And don't let people tell you that. And be careful Christian television. And I am a Christian. And I have a television. But be careful Christian television. People cannot promise what Jesus did not promise. That's dangerous ground for anybody, those who... who Spread that and then those who, who would believe that. Let's move on real quick. Lastly is the slack gospel. And the slack gospel, there's no real urgency. Um, there's, no, there's no real intensity about this. And so it's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, just believe, just get around, just kind of process that. And that is so laid back that you're, you're going to miss out. Um, every time you delay receiving the gospel or you reject the gospel, you harden your heart. And so I'm conscious of that. I've told our staff and you need to know this every time we're together at a minimum, at a minimum, I'm going to offer a prayer from the pulpit to give people an opportunity to, to receive, to believe and to receive, to at least get that started. And And I mentioned start because I believe there are next steps to help you to walk in that relationship. 
But every time, this is important, every time, and if this is you tonight, every time you delay receiving the gospel or you reject the gospel, your heart hardens a little bit more. And, and, and that's why we've got to be very careful. Every time we're exposed to holy things, we need to respond to those things in a, in a proper way. Every time or our heart starts to harden. Look at this real quick in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Behold, now, everybody say now. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And look at this in Hebrews 13. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, you know, if, if God deals with you and speaks to your heart, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. And we've got to be careful. If God is dealing with you, you need to respond to that rather than allow your heart to harden. And that's what happens with a, with a slack gospel. The gospel is good news. And the centerpiece of the gospel is Jesus died for you. Um, We are marked forever. And I'll end with this. We are marked forever by one of these things. The first one is this, what you have done. You're marked by what you have done. Secondly, you're marked by what was done to you. But here comes the gospel here. We can be marked forever by what Jesus did for us. And what Jesus did for us addresses what we have done. I, I don't know all of y'all, but I'm just guessing. How many of you have not lived a perfect life? It's just what I thought, okay? And so it's what you have done. And, and, and let's go ahead, and this is not a house of condemnation, but how many of you have made some real royal messes be, be, before? So that's what we have done, okay? And then what was done to you? How many of you have had some raw deals? People do you wrong, betray you, let you down, get careless, or they were just plain evil, you know? We've had that happen to us. Well, what do we do about those things? Well, we can lean on crisis mechanisms. We can live in counseling for the rest of our life. We can medicate ourselves with drugs or alcohol or activities or sleep or food or whatever that we want to do. We can do all of those things to try to take care of what you have done and what was done to you. And can I tell you, at the end of the day, you're just in more pain. And Jesus came along with the gospel and he saw our brokenness and he saw our pain and he saw that we are powerless to help ourselves. And the gospel comes and it's what Jesus did for us, addresses what you have done and it addresses what was done to you because of what Jesus has done. And can I tell you what that is? That's good news. That's good news. That's the gospel. But if we change the gospel, then the gospel can't change us. Don't mess with this perfect plan that God has for us. Receive his good news. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this tonight?